If you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be wrapping up the 6th chapter of Luke this morning. We'll be reading verses 37 through 49. So it's Luke 6 verses 37 through 49. Hear now the word of the Lord. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, while you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good measure, treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord remains forever. You may be seated. As you do, if you could please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. This passage that we have before us this morning is loaded. There's a lot in here. Um, It is part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, very similar uh, Passages that we have in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5 through 7. And this is actually a very special passage for myself and for Stephanie. Uh, This is the passage that the the pastor who married Stephanie and I actually used for our wedding. Uh, He used the, the analogy of building our house on a foundation, on the solid rock of Christ. And so every time I read this passage, I think of our wedding day. Um, And it's something that's very special to us. And uh, in the weddings that I have uh, been privileged to do, I've actually used this passage as well. Uh, I think it's very good for for weddings. 
Uh, it also reminds me, as we, we think about a foundation, uh, it reminds me of our previous church. Uh, when I was there during that five years, we, we had a building project. It was a big deal. When I, when I got there, they were in the, in the midst of having a capital campaign, raising money for, for their new building. They were meeting in a storefront at the time, and um, they had bought a piece of property that they were planning to, to build a church on. And so as that progressed, we saw the digging of a hole, which is a, a big hole for, uh, for the foundation to be laid. And then the day came when they actually laid that concrete. And it was incredible to see it taking shape. Uh, it was built kind of in the side of a hill, so it was, it was the base and then a, a wall as well. And uh, our pastor had the great idea of um, having a dedication service for the foundation because of how important the foundation was. So as a church, we gathered together. We had kind of a, a time of prayer and praise in this foundation. And written on the wall, like if it would be here, it, it, it had 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. And it said, The church of God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And so those words are written on the walls of the foundation in this church and we had the opportunity as members of the congregation to use magic markers and to write Bible verses on the walls of the foundation. It was, it was just a really neat experience for us as a church to, to dedicate the foundation because of how important the foundation is to a building and that Christ calls the church the pillar and foundation of truth. As we get to this passage this morning, we are finishing up Luke's account of Jesus sharing with his disciples uh, kind of their marching orders. He has called them as his 12 apostles. He has given them the Beatitudes. This is what the life of a disciple is going to be like. And now this is what you as a disciple are being called to do. And by doing this, uh, by summing up his, his speech, his sermon to his disciples... He rounds it out with this analogy of the foundation. And he says, uh, this is what he says. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man who builds the foundation on the rock. So he calls his disciples to come to him, to hear him, and to do what he says. So the life of a disciple is like building a house. It's like building a building. And like any good house, you need a strong foundation because if you don't have a good foundation, even the most beautiful of houses will fall. Uh, if the church that was built while we were there in Georgia did not have a strong foundation, it would not last. And the foundation of a disciple's house is built on Christ. And that foundation, as Jesus says, is obedience to Christ. It's coming to Him, hearing His words, and doing them. Uh, it's easy to appear to be a good-looking house, a.k.a. a hypocrite, which He is calling out here. But the floodwaters will come, as He says, and they will reveal the true foundations from the false ones. Over the last couple of weeks, we looked at the life of a disciple and in a sense, these are the storms that will be coming in life. Jesus says that as disciples, people will hate you, they will revile you, 
enemy, you will have enemies. People will take away your goods. They will be striking you on the cheek. Uh, these are the storms, the floodwaters that will rise. But those disciples who have a strong foundation that are built on the solid rock of Christ will be able to withstand these floodwaters, not because the house itself is so strong, but because they have built their foundation on the rock. But those who haven't built a strong foundation on the rock will not be able to withstand the flood. And as Luke says here, as Jesus says, they will be faced with great ruin. So Christ has, in a sense, presented his disciples with two options. You can have a good foundation on the rock, or you can have no foundation at all. And so we're going to look at the rest of the passage in light of these two options that, that Christ gives us. A strong foundation versus no foundation. So first of all, when you have built a strong foundation on the rock of Christ, it will change the way that you judge others. The first verse that I read, verse 37 Judge not, and you will not be judged. Uh, Besides John 3.16, this is probably one of the most often quoted verses in all the Bible. Um, But the problem with this one is that it is probably the most often misquoted and misused verses in all the Bible. You will hear it often, um, maybe in the form of the, the King James. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And the way that we typically use this verse is in defense of our actions. Someone will come to us and maybe criticize us or point out something uh, that is wrong that we are doing or, or in our actions. And our response, our reaction in defense will say, well, judge not lest you be judged. Don't judge me for what I'm doing. Um, We have this issue today that we don't like other people telling us what to do or pointing out our faults. Uh, We have this sense of autonomy uh, or pride that says that I can do things the way that I want to do them. It's my life. I'm going to live it my way. Uh, Like that Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. That's our mantra. So when someone comes along with even the slightest, uh, even the greatest intentions, Uh, to give even the best of constructive criticism. We quickly quip, uh, judge not, lest ye be judged, turning it back then on the other person. This tactic is often used on Christians who speak honestly about moral issues. You know, last night was the NFL draft, and uh, in the seventh round, we saw Michael Sam go to the St. Louis Rams. Uh, the, the significant thing about that as the 249th pick in the NFL draft, that's something that's not usually something that would garner attention. But Michael Sam is the first openly gay uh, NFL draftee. And we're seeing this in our culture now. And if Christians speak out to issues of, of homosexuality, of gay marriage, of abortion, uh, of these things that are going on in our culture, often it's turned back on us. Well, judge not. Doesn't the Bible say, judge not, lest ye be judged? So what, as Christians, are we to do? Well, in reality, we are to judge. I know that scripture says here, judge not, lest ye be judged. But what Jesus is talking about here 
is we should not be judging with uh, this judgmental attitude. If you go on in the verses here, you, you see this famous example about the log and, and the splinter, that we shouldn't be judging someone else for the splinter in their eye when we have a log in our own. Jesus isn't saying at that point that we shouldn't take out the splinter in someone else's eye. We should be doing that. But we need to remove the log that is in our own eye first. Because in reality, there are many times in our lives where we need to be judging. And maybe judging isn't the best word for it because there's a lot of negative, negative connotations uh, with judging. But as parents, shouldn't you be judging the actions of your children? When they're doing something wrong, shouldn't you correct them? That's our job as parents, mothers, on Mother's Day. Um, it, is our, it is your duty to, to judge your children and, and in their actions. Uh, shouldn't teachers be judging the actions and the, the talents of their students? We have literal judges in our society whose job is it to judge. But Jesus says here, uh, as we follow up in this verse 37, he says, Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Maybe in, instead of using the word judge here, uh, maybe we can use the word encourage. Because it is our job as Christians to encourage one another. To be used by one another to sanctify each other. We are used in accountability. But in doing so, we are called not to be judgmental. To not condemn as we judge. Instead, what we should be doing is graciously pointing out to each other the love and the forgiveness that is offered in Christ. Jesus is calling us to relate to each other in such a way that we can honestly and graciously speak to the sin that is in each other's lives. But the way that we are supposed to do this is through self-examination first and foremost. So usually it's the person who criticizes others who is the one who is guilty of the most obvious sin. What we tend to do is to minimize our own sin and look to others and point out what we see as the seriousness of their sin. We minimize our own problems and we deal with the problems of others. Uh, I think this is very true in, in the lives of pastors. I'm going to criticize myself for right now and ask for your help in this. Because we have the, this, this characterization of pastor's kids. And when I say the word pastor's kid or PK, there, there's this connotation that might come to your mind. Uh, maybe not Stephen Susan Sanford's kids, uh, but maybe others. <laughs> uh, we have this, this connotation of, uh, of maybe not being the most well-behaved, a little rambunctious, um, and uh, Steve, I didn't see you there as well. Maybe not the Steve Irby's kids as well. But, um, uh, but there's this connotation that we have in culture about pastor's kids. And I feel like one of the reasons that is, is because pastors are very busy in their lives helping others. Um, it is my job to minister to you guys. And it is a joy and a pleasure 
to be involved in your lives, in your marriages, as you raise your children. But sometimes what pastors do is they get so wrapped up in it to the neglect of their own family. And I need you guys to help me in that, that I don't neglect my own children uh, as I'm ministering to you as well. That is very important. Uh, So please help me in that. Because what Jesus is saying is that we need to deal with our own issues first. Because in reality, we all have issues. There is not one of us who doesn't have a splinter or a log in our own eyes that we need to deal with honestly and effectively through the cross of Christ. Um, I, I would think it'd be funny if a pastor was asked to describe his church and I say, you know what, my church is great, but man, we all have issues. <laughs> I know you probably wouldn't appreciate that but, that, but that is the truth. No church is perfect. We all have our issues that we all need to deal with. And the great thing is, is that we can come together as people with issues come to the cross and find forgiveness and redemption through the blood of Christ. And I think it is good for us to admit the fact that we do sin, that we do have this log in our eye. Maybe it's just a splinter. Think about this. Do we spend more time in private confession of our own sins and shortcomings or more time pointing out the sins and the shortcomings of others. That convicted me this past week when I thought about that. What do I do? Spend more time in my own confession, or by seeing the sins of others and pointing out their sins? Because we often understate our own problems and overstate others. Philip Ryken, in his commentary uh, on Luke 6 here, says, It's only when our hearts have been broken by our own sin against God that we will have the humble grace to lead others to repentance. And this is the description of a person with a solid foundation on the rock of Christ who has come to Jesus, who has heard Him, and who does what Jesus says. And this is a person who can be and is convinced about their own shortcomings and lovingly takes the specks out of others' eyes as well. You see, Jesus is saying here that we shouldn't be doing this to each other. He is saying that, we, that when we do, we need to take the log out of our own eyes first before we remove the speck of others. Otherwise, we are hypocrites. So when we are solidly built on the solid rock of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit we can all admit the fact that we do have issues that need to be dealt with. And realizing that we all have sin in our lives won't crush us. We don't have to go into this, this woe is me, I am terrible, I am the most awful person, this tailspin like we are the worst person in the world and that no one can ever love us. Instead, we can deal with our issues, we can deal with the sin and the things that people point out in our lives because of the security that we have in Christ. We can deal with this because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a solid foundation on the rock. We can encourage Lindsay, who just had to take her son out, 
and not judge her because we've all been there. And we are all there. If it's not her this week, it's my family next week. And that's okay. Because we are built on the solid foundation of Christ. And that's what I love about the body of Christ. Is that when we are all built on the foundation of Christ, we are there to support and encourage one another as we go about this. We can be confident that there is a solution to our shortcomings and that it is found in Christ. That we aren't a hopeless cause, that there's always hope for us in the gospel. When you are built on the strong foundation of the rock of Christ, it will also be displayed in the fruit that we produce. Now this is to combat one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves in our culture. Uh, this past week, um, I went for a walk uh, this, that, one of the afternoons with Sean. Uh, he recently had back surgery. Uh, if you could pray for him as he recovers from that. Uh, he can't sit down for very long, and so we went for a walk on uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, we had a great conversation. And one of the things that we talked about was this lie that he sees often. He gets the opportunity as he's flying with people uh, to have conversations with them. And he likes to go deep. And one of the, the things he likes to explore is worldview. Whether or not people believe that, that man is, is relatively good or if that man is, is basically evil. And a lot of times it comes back with the, the thought that man is basically good. And this is one of the greatest lies that we believe in our culture today. And you hear all the time when someone is arrested or they're charged with a crime, uh, someone will be interviewed and they'll say, oh, but that is such a good person. You know, this is so out of character for them. They, they just did this horrible thing, but in reality, they're, they're, really, they're really good people. But we know as Christians that that is not the case. We act according to our nature, and our nature is sinful. Uh, we uh, are not basically good apart from Christ. We are evil. And so we're not surprised by the evil in the world. In the world. A foundation that is built on Christ is similar to a tree that is planted in Him. And Christ says that a good tree bears good fruit, and a, and a, a bad tree does not bear good fruit. We all produce fruit. And Jesus here is calling us once again to examine the fruit that we produce. He's calling for an introspection here. He's not calling us to examine other people's fruit, to to point out at others uh, the fruit that they may or not be producing. He's calling us to examine our own. What are we producing as Christians? Because as Christians, when we have our foundation built on Christ, we're like a tree that is planted. We are planted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we literally have the Holy Spirit in us. And we know what the fruit of the Spirit are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus is calling us here to examine our fruit. Are these things being produced in our lives? Now, there's a few points of clarification that I want to make this morning. Um, This can easily be translated into, well, then I need to produce fruit. 
I need to go out and produce joy and love and faithfulness and self-control. That's not the case. Jesus is calling His disciples, those who have put their faith already in Jesus Christ, who have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. This obedience that He is calling us to is not something that, that uh, leads us to faith in Christ. It's not something that gains our favor with God if we can show love, if we can produce self-control. This is the result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So what we need to do is to examine ourselves. This obedience that He calls us to is part of our our sanctification, of our our growth in Christ. And honestly, some people are going to produce more fruit than others. We're not all going to be Mother Teresa's, who gave her entire life uh, for the the poor and diseased in India. Um, our, our, Our fruit is going to be different. But what we all need to do is come to Jesus to hear His words, put our faith and trust in Him, and do what He says. You know, those who are unconverted are not able to obey the words of Christ. These things that He calls us to do are not for those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. So as we conclude and apply this to our lives, what do we need to do? What is the, the so what? Well, first of all, if, if we are ones, or if you are one that has not put your faith and trust in Christ, Jesus is calling you to come to Him, to hear His words, to put your faith and trust in Him first and foremost. He's not calling you to the obey part. He is calling you to come, to hear and to rest and to build your foundation on Him. For those of you who have, who have put your faith and trust in Him, He is calling you to obedience, out of gratitude to what Christ has done for you, out of love for God, out of a desire to see God honored and glorified. So if you have put your faith in Christ, come and obey. Come and build a foundation that is deep, and that is strong. Read God's Word. Spend time with Him in prayer. Private confession. Put in the effort to live as a disciple of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do need to judge others, other believers. We need to encourage one another in our walk with Christ to hold each other accountable but in such a way that we are removing the log from our own eyes, being willing to have brothers and sisters in Christ graciously and lovingly uh, even remove splinters that we have in our eyes, to not throw back at them Bible verses of, well, judge not, lest ye be judged, but showing mercy and forgiveness to one another, for just as in Christ, God has forgiven us. God has given us a great gift in mothers. They are often gracious, merciful, uh, maybe sometimes slow in anger, but uh, on, a, on a hard day when things are not going the way they should be, uh, it's difficult. But if I were to describe mothers, my mother, I would describe her as love. 
But ultimately, God is love. And what I feel like mothers do is mothers point us to Christ. Mothers point us to the love of God that He has for us. That He would be willing to sacrifice His own Son so that we might have life in Him. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. That as Christ said, that we can come to you, we can hear your words, and through your Holy Spirit, uh, you have given us the ability to obey. But Lord, we know that we are all sinners. That we have these logs in our eyes. Sometimes, Lord, we can't even see We don't even know that we have it. I pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would convict our hearts. That we would spend time in personal confession. That we would be mining the depths of our own hearts even before we look at the sin of others. I pray that we would be a body of Christ that would show mercy and love to one another. That we would be slow to anger. Uh, that we would be quick to forgive. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, equip us to build a foundation that is strong and that is true, built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there are those here this morning who have never put their faith and trust in You, who have no foundation, Lord, I pray that You would work in them by the power of the Holy Spirit even today to draw them to Yourself and that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray to this end and we give You the glory for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.